Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The number of homeless K through 12 students in California has surged by the thousands. That's according to new enrollment data from the state's Department of Education. Cal Matters education reporter Joe Hong has more. The number of unhoused students attending California public schools went up by about 16,000 to a total of just under 190,000 unhoused students statewide. The state uses a federal definition of homelessness that includes students living in motels, trailer parks, campgrounds, or public spaces. The unhoused student count had actually dropped during the pandemic, which experts struggled to explain, so this return to pre-pandemic numbers is extra concerning. Schools in the Central Valley and Southern California saw some of the biggest spikes. At Kern High School District in Bakersfield, the unhoused student count more than tripled and more than doubled at Corona Norco Unified in Riverside County. Scholars say the overarching cause of homelessness among all Californians is the unrelenting shortage of affordable housing in the state. Being unhoused can have a dramatic impact on student learning. Unhoused students miss more school and often score lower on standardized tests. That was Cal Matters reporter Joe Hong. Cal Matters is an online state news site. Following a rise in harassment of both patients and employees of Planned Parenthood clinics in Sacramento, the City Council has adopted a new noise control ordinance outside these facilities. The measure will prohibit the use of loudspeakers or any other voice amplifiers within 100 feet of the property line. Deborah Franklin is a Sacramento resident and a volunteer at Planned Parenthood. She spoke during this week's council meeting. Every Wednesday morning for four hours, I get to hear language that is hateful and harmful and i'm especially concerned about people who are arriving in for health care they may be there for an abortion but they may also be there to find out a pap smear and whether it's going to be a clear pap smear or not maybe they're trying to figure out a best birth control maybe they're concerned they have sexually transmitted disease Franklin says the level of harassment has only increased since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. People who violate the new ordinance could be charged with a misdemeanor and face penalties up to $25,000 a day. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. A new investigation finds that after police killings, many California law enforcement agencies are trained to keep news of people's deaths from family members. That way, according to the reporting, police can grill families for information that can be used to limit liability and protect departments' reputations. Here to talk about this is reporter Brian Howey, who investigated these tactics for the Los Angeles Times while at the investigative reporting program at UC Berkeley. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So, Brian, how common is it for police to withhold the deaths of someone at the hands of law enforcement from family members of the slain? Uh, it's fairly common. I was able to identify 20 cases uh, in, of this tactic being used across California since 2008. Um, and in my conversations with uh, attorneys who specialize in police misconduct, I heard from multiple attorneys that this is so common that this isn't even surprising to them anymore. Where did police learn these tactics? Well, it's unclear where all of them learned how to do this, but we do know that uh, at least one person has been training officers to do this. His name is Bruce Prayett. He is an attorney and a former law enforcement officer. He's also the co-founder of Lexapol, which is one of the largest private providers of police agency policies in the country. And how do these tactics affect family members? I assume it's not great, right? No. In almost all of these cases, when I was able to speak with the families, they told me that these experiences increased their mistrust of law enforcement agencies and also caused them a great deal of additional grief on top of finding out that their loved ones had been killed. They found out that these law enforcement agencies had actually tricked them in their mind into giving up information about their loved one that they might not have shared had they known that their loved one was killed. And what do supporters of not informing family members about a loved one's death, what do they say are the reasons for doing this? Well, there are a few different reasons. The main one is the suspicion that family members may lie to them if they're aware that law enforcement have killed their families or that they may withhold that information from them. They say that the goal here is to get to the truth as quickly as possible before it's been, quote unquote, tainted by the family's emotions. And are there 
any police departments or sheriff agencies that don't agree with this or have policies in place where officers and deputies aren't allowed to do this. I spoke to numerous policing experts, including current and former police chiefs, uh, the majority of whom said that this was an inhumane practice and that law enforcement agencies should not be doing this. Uh, the consensus among most of them was that law enforcement uh, investigators and detectives should be informing the families as soon as possible uh, what's happened to their loved one. And if the families decide not to share information after that, that's their choice. One thing that I would say is, you know, this this story isn't about whether or not this or that police shooting was justified. It's about what law enforcement agencies owe to the families of people they kill. These families aren't suspects, and yet police are treating them like suspects. They're sidestepping what many in the profession would say are their professional and ethical obligations to treat these families like human beings and provide them essential context before questioning them during what is likely the worst moment of their lives. That is journalist Brian Howey. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And that's the California Report for Thursday, April 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at IrvineAwards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.